what's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Noah Sebastian of Bad Omens over Zoom video. Noah was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, and he talks about how he got into music, got a guitar around 11 years old, and uh, took some lessons, but really learned, self-taught, learned off YouTube. Around this time is when he was getting into heavier music. He talked about a few local bands he performed in. He ended up dropping out of high school at 16 to join a band that was getting signed. They eventually get signed and the label kind of flops and the band disbands. And while this is going on, he's writing lyrics and songs and he just knows that he wants to be a frontman. So as the timing fell, he decided to start his own project, which became Bad Omens. Noah tells us about how the band was signed before all of the members were solidified and they ever had one rehearsal. Basically, he put the record together, which landed him a manager, which landed in front of Submarinian Records, and they get a deal. He talked about working on his first record with Will Putney, who we've had a chance to interview. You could check that out on our, our website or Facebook, YouTube. He tells us about going into that second record, trying to follow up the success of the first one, where they were when COVID hit, and all about this brand new record, which is called The Death of Peace of Mind, which actually started out as a challenge Noah was trying to do online, where he was going to produce a song not using any instruments. So he was going around the house, kind of creating Foley sounds and manipulating them and created a song which ended up becoming the death of peace of mind that sparked the record and now we have a new album from him. You can watch our interview with Noah on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Bad Omens. Yo. Yo, what's up, Noah? How are you? What's up? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Stoked awesome. Stoked to do it. Awesome, awesome. I'm Adam, and uh, this podcast is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about the new album as well. Sweet. Sweet. Um, so I did see or read the band uh, formed in Virginia. Is that where you were born and raised? Yeah, Richmond, Virginia. That's where you were born and raised there as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. What was it like growing up there? Uh, it was cool. It felt like the like you know stock suburban experience, I guess. You know, <laughs> sure. like kind of on the outskirts of Richmond City. And uh, I lived in an, in an area called Bonaire growing up, which was, you know, just a regular, you know, middle-class suburban kind of vibe. And it was cool. And, you know, I got into music and dropped out of school and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. Or anyone else in your family a musical? Do you come from a musical household? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, what drew you to music? Like how, when did you get into music? Um, I don't know. I just, I don't, it's hard to remember the first time I was exposed to it. I guess it was always like, like growing up, people would listen to music. Like right. one of my family is just like, did any, you know, played an instrument. instrument. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I remember like always really enjoying so many types of genres, even when I was little mm-hmm. and through like phases. Like I went through an Eminem phase, I went through like my goth, like disturbed industrial <laughs> phase, like, and, um, yeah, I, I've just always like really appreciated various things about all kinds of music mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I don't know how it happened. I know I got a guitar for like Christmas when I was 11, I think 11 or 12 and took guitar lessons for a little bit and then like youtube started becoming a thing so and like the internet and everything so that started getting easier to like self-teach mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean from there i played guitar in and out of local bands and until i was like 17 when i started what became bad omens okay well was there something that drew you to want to play guitar or was it just a present your parents ended up buying you um i think i asked for it because i was like I guess I was in my rock phase around that time or my metal phase. Mm-hmm. I, I do vividly remember like the first time I heard heavy music or like modern heavy music. Cause there's obviously like such a spectrum to metal now. Right. Right. But, um, I remember hearing disturbed the sickness and thinking okay. this was the most depraved unhinged thing I've ever heard. And I loved it. <laughs> and that's funny. Uh, yeah. I think it was like around that time where I was like, I want to learn how to play guitar. And were you, when you took your lessons and everything, were you trying to learn heavy songs like that? Or no, like, or is that what you essentially wanted to play? That was the goal, I think. But I was also just, you know, learning what the teacher was teaching me. And, you know, he, he tried to teach me to read music and that, that didn't go over well because I was like most young, ambitious guitar players and just wanted to like learn the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, like, yeah, that scale's cool, but like, teach me how to play this rad riff. Yeah, learn, learn how to play this cool riff from this cool classic <laughs> rock song, or you know. So I, uh, I kind of fell out of it, at least like practice-wise, for a little bit, and mm-hmm. I would dabble in it here and there. And then, like, I, I got exposed to—I don't even know. I guess at the time you would call it screamo. It was like Devil Wears Prada, and mm-hmm. I was, like starting to try to learn their songs on guitar and. I I was always just like experimenting in some way or another with music. I think even before I really got into recording, I like downloaded audacity to my grandma's computer and like started, you know, fumbling around and what, what is like the world's most primitive DAW (laughs) (laughs) and like, you know, experimenting with recording and like trying to learn how to like get sounds from this like little electronic keyboard they had in their house, like Mm -hmm. in the basement or something, uh, into the computer and yeah, I was just always like really interested in music and recording and stuff. With, um, well, like, when did you learn that you could sing well? Was that something that came later? Because obviously you've like got a it, killer yeah. voice, not only for what, the genre you do, but like the, the unplugged versions of these acoustic songs that you guys put up as well are like insane. Yeah, I mean, probably like last year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like right before I recorded the... <laughs> yeah. The I, um, <laughs> no, dude, you're yeah, great. I, I played guitar for a long time. And then when I started what became Bad Omens, I wanted to do like... I wanted to be the front man and like uh, do the vocals and everything. And I really had no idea what I was doing. Like I I had a good tone, I guess, for like my my screaming vocal and my singing vocal. I was not even close to being refined enough mm-hmm. uh, for what what we were doing so early, I guess. Um, so that's something I kind of learned as we as we went on. And um, it's interesting because, like, looking back, I definitely don't think I was qualified for the job when we were recording our first record. 
um, just because I was still in that phase where I was trying really hard to like emulate other people instead of finding mm -hmm. my own voice, which I believe now is like the most crucial step. And the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, how hard is that? Well, I think uh, a big part of it to me, and I like preach about this a lot whenever I, people ask me about like singing and stuff is so much of it is like holistic and psychological in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think like once you get over that hump of being like insecure or like not very confident or like shy or anything of like being heard by people around you, like once you really like let that go like internally and start experimenting and just not being afraid to hear your own voice and being afraid of other people hearing your voice, that's when you like really start to discover what cool stuff you can do that's like only natural to you and like your, your voice and your body. Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I feel like we did with our most recent record. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like, it's just been a blast ever since because now I'm such a much a more comfortable singer, mm -hmm. both live and in studio. And like if someone, even if like the, the vocal booth is just a mic in the room and it's not a booth and they're like, Hey, just sing this part. I'm like, okay. And I just go up and, you know, I'm not afraid of people hearing me untuned out in the room, you know, like yeah. Know. once you get over that and you realize like, we're all musicians, we all, have bad days and sound kind of rough sometimes without tuning here and there and reverb and processing. Like once you get over that, it's, it's just so easy. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, so it's not, not that it's easy, but like, it's, that's the hardest thing. I mean, I, the only, I'm not a songwriter or singer, but I, the way I relate to that is like, I, I came from radio from terrestrial radio to the, for my, you know, 17 years. And the, I would always try to emulate and, and like do or say things that I would hear not say things, but like try to have the cadence of somebody that I looked up to on the radio or listened to. And it wasn't until like, you don't do that. Cause it's like, well, that guy's already going to be the best one at doing that. Cause it's him. Like I, you will never achieve that. Uh, and then you find your own voice, which is like literally the hardest thing there is to do. <laughs> like, Yeah. I, there, there's like an expression. I, this is such a deviation of it, but essentially it's like, you don't want to be the next blank band. You want to be the first you you know right I mean? no that's 100 percent. next nine ish nails you want to be the first bad omens like that's how i approach it right you want to be that that artist that other people are emulating someday and then ho hopefully ultimately realize that's not the move and find their own thing but right you know what i mean like you want to kind of lead that path and i think that's how like music gets reinvented and gets like evolved in, in really cool ways Mm -hmm. and, and for sure though it's like the hardest thing though to kind of come out of that and just know and and the voice is such a thing too where uh, I've, I've had this conversation with people before where it's like it's a different world like you could go on a guitar like i could grab a guitar and just like dick around and hit some strings and you know it's not like a personal thing but if you like try to sing and you like can't hit the note or you or people are like oh like it's like oh ouch like that's my voice i can't really yeah, do anything about it <laughs> it's like our note or something like the guitar you can just tune you know and, and assuming it stays in tune well like it's gonna be the right note when you hit that fret no matter what mm -hmm. um with your voice there's so many variables whether it's like you know you're not feeling too good or allergies or is my kryptonite personally um and just stuff like that where it's mm -hmm. it's kind of a a gamble almost every day on tour like oh i hope i don't wake up sick tomorrow <laughs> right yeah and because and again it's just such a vulnerable because it's you and if someone goes you suck at singing you're like oh ouch i should probably never do this again <laughs> yeah <laughs> now yeah. whereas you suck at guitar well yeah of course i do i have to keep practicing but like yeah it's just 
But like I said, man, you've got a, a great voice. So mm-hmm. I was just curious if it was something that you knew early on, but it sounds like you kind of had to develop it even later. You were playing guitar for a bunch of bands prior? Yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of local bands in, in Virginia and uh, one band in Northern Virginia. And around that time, I think I was 16 and I was like, that was as like far as I'd gotten in like success with music as like in a potential career. Like I dropped out of high school to play guitar in this band because they had like record deals coming in and offers and stuff. And Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. And, and more or less like it, th- we signed with this like flagship record deal instead of this established record company because mm-hmm. our mindset was like, well, if this is like their first like flagship band they're signing, maybe they'll put way more into it versus a company right. that's very established that isn't that worried about this band flopping versus a company that's trying to like really prove themselves as a record label. And that at the time turned out to be the wrong choice. Obviously now personally for me, it was a good choice because everything led to this moment. But um, right, right. Cause if but, you would have been wrapped up, say you would have signed a three record deal with, Right. X, X record label, then you yeah. might not have had the opportunity to kind yeah, of peel I out. Had, I kind of had the know-how to know like when to bounce essentially. And that record company basically just kind of went under and dissolved and didn't last very long. And everyone in the band got kind of defeated after that. And around that time I was learning more and more about recording on the side. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to just start my own band and like write my own music. Cause I wasn't really writing or doing anything in that band besides just showing up and playing guitar. Mm-hmm. I wanted like way more both creative control and just like, you know, final say and decision making when it comes to like business decisions. Cause I thought even at the time as like a 16 year old, I thought like they were doing some kind of stupid things and making bad choices with the business. Yeah. Like, um, it, it's interesting. Cause when you, when you, when I hear you talk, I mean, being 16 years old, dropping out of, out of school to pursue this thing, like that's, a bold move yeah i uh well i kind of lived on my own at that point i'm like i'm not gonna get too far into like the okay. back door yeah yeah sorry about that yeah no it's all good um i just i was like pretty independent as a teenager for most of my years as a teenager and i kind of just adapted this mindset of like because that's like the oldest like thing or trope or whatever in the book where it's like oh drop out of school to pursue music and it fails and you're screwed right um but i kind of just had this mindset and this like internal like confidence or like like sureness that i was like i'm going to you know bend the world around what i want to do i'm not going to like bend myself around what the world wants of me essentially so i've just i don't know i've kind of always just had this like tenacity so to speak where if i don't know the answer to something like I'll ask the right questions until I find the answer. Like I just, I, I like to figure things out, whether mm-hmm. it's like musically or recording or like a logistical thing with like the band and the business that we can't afford to pay a professional to do, whether it's like tax stuff, you know what I mean? Like right, right. stuff that should not be a musician's job. <laughs> I've just over the years, like had to pick up the slack on here and there because someone has to do it, you know? Right, right. With with that, like, I mean, you said you were in this band and you were, what, writing your own songs kind of on the side because you just didn't have a big enough voice in, yeah. the, in the band itself? Yeah, exa- I mean, I, I get it. They were all, like, in their mid-20s and I was 16. Like, okay. why would I show up and start running the show? Yeah, I mean, that would be hard <laughs> in any circumstance if yeah, you just joined the band to be like, all right, I'm going to start making some changes. Yeah, exactly. Right I wasn't even like, an, original, <laughs> an original member, so it totally makes sense. Um, right. 
but yeah, I got like a little recording package from Sweetwater, I think, and mm-hmm. you know, little interface and two monitors, and just started learning all the ways I could start writing my own songs and kind of you know starting to do MIDI drums and like just get a general idea of a demo and a song outlined um, in the earliest form of the song. Okay, and with with those songs, like at what point oh, was it the label thing that happened and kind of that dissolving? Was that what led you to you know peeling off and starting your your own project yeah that okay. and like again like the decisions that the band i was in was making like they started doing like these corny covers and stuff and it felt like they were just trying to do anything to like get noticed or like pick up steam and i like mm-hmm. have a very like i guess strong opinion about that type of stuff and like the integrity of the band so to speak mm-hmm. so i just wanted to do my own thing and like write my own songs and just see what would happen if it was like if I started a band that I was in charge of now that I mm-hmm. had like this newfound knowledge and experience and like at this point like at least in the local scene like a small reputation of being in a bigger band sure and so how do you do that like what's the first start like you have what a few songs and you're able to record them yourself and do you start to try to yeah you know, I, I find members or I wasn't good enough at recording to like do get that far, but I was Mm -hmm. enough to like lay down the riffs and like a drum idea and maybe like a vocal idea. And then I went to, um, it's, it's funny how it all tied up, but this guy, Zach Jones, he was in the band, a band called my enemies and I at the time. And he also recorded on the side. He recorded another band I was in, uh, named the moralists. Um, and he was like a pretty popular, like producer in the local area in like Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took my demo ideas to him to like try to get a more like mixed and mastered like final version essentially that he would produce with me and mix. And yeah, I, I think I made like three or four songs with him and took those. Somehow those got into the hands of our previous manager uh, through like a friend of mine that worked under him. It's like a whole like connected network at this point. Right, right. Okay. People I still work with to this day, but in in Virginia, there was a whole scene with like, you know, my, my buddy Ori, who does our music videos now. He, mm-hmm. He's from Virginia. My buddy Davis that does graphic design for us now. He's also from Virginia and we were all part of this like local music network. Um, and yeah, he worked for a guy that managed bands and owned a venue back there. And um, more or less, he, I got the demos in his hands and he got them in front of the manager. And the manager managed to get them in front of Samarian Records and they liked it. They, it spoke to them for whatever reason. I, I think looking back, they were awful, <laughs> but, uh, so this is before you even had the band, uh, really formed yeah, yet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or practiced or anything. Um, I, I have a best friend named Nick who now plays bass and bad omens, but it was kind of always understood. Cause he, he played guitar at the time. Like he would just be in the band because we're, we're best <laughs> friends. <your> friends. <laughs> he played guitar. Like why wouldn't he, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, around that time that things got more serious with like the manager and the record label, I started trying to put together more of like an actual band and that's where we got Vincent and then Vincent reached out to his friend Jolly from Sweden, who was in a band that was about to break up. And, and then last we got our drummer, Nick from like a one-line submission thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did read that. He, he submitted like a video of himself, like playing to one yeah, of the demos we were, or something. We were trying to find a drummer and our manager was asking around and he reached out to our manager and he didn't reply. So he just messaged me on Facebook directly with a video. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, like maybe our, our manager at the time was like trying to speak for us or just decided it wasn't for us. I don't know. But 
why he didn't reply, but he just instead Folio reached out to me directly and I, I loved it. And I was like, let's go, like come to practice, you know? <laughs> That's cool. So you already had the deal and everything, but and then as you're now you're putting your band together. Yeah, we we didn't even rehearse until after we signed the record deal. For the wow. Record. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's were you it's, nervous signing the deal just in the sense that you had already kind of seen the thing fall before? Um, yeah, I mean, of course. I was I was super nervous, but I I mean, for where we were and where I was at at the time, it felt like the only possible way to like get my foot into the door of the music industry, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, because Sumerian, you know, there's, there's weight to that name in the alternative and rock and metal world. So yeah, we signed the deal and we went and did our first rehearsal ever <laughs> in Virginia and started practicing the songs and, you know, we then we started working on our first record. And then you did that first record with Will Putney. Is that what I read? Yeah. He, He's a great dude. I've interviewed him for this podcast before. Love Will. I haven't actually I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I he we had a great experience there. And we um we pretty much pre-proed the record in Folio's basement in Maryland because it's super close to Jersey, or at least closer <laughs> than any of us were. Were these the songs that were on the demo or some of those songs? Some of them were, and we, okay. we changed them a lot from what they were on the on the demo on the on the EP, so to speak. Okay. Mm -hmm. So did you ever put that out? Did you put the EP out or no? Uh, we put one song on the internet. Uh, I might still be on there on like Bandcamp or something. We went under the name Man vs. Self. Okay. First song that I put out was Exit Wounds. They, that was before we were even a band. Like That was Zach's uh, mix and master, where it was pretty much just me and Zach recording the songs and him mixing them. Mm -hmm. And now Zach Jones, actually, he he's out in LA and he does huge productions like he's worked with crazy cool bands and stuff and he's producing full-time now out here so it's cool That's cool his career also like took off and did really well yeah wow so once you so you sign the deal and then you you're you're doing the pre-production and everything in uh in fully's basement and then that takes you to to will and then you put out your first record that way yeah we, we had already been scheduled for will but we wanted to just show up prepared as possible and jolly and i both you know recorded or had enough recording knowledge at the time so we all like went to folio's house for a month and hashed out the demos and like tried to revise them and fine-tune them and get them as ready as possible for wills that way we didn't show up with nothing okay and from there yeah we just engineered and record everything and will produced it and it came out came out good for its time <laughs> no for sure for sure and like what, what would you like after writing that record or re releasing that record and you know having now a record label and what like what do you do from there like what's kind of like the next milestone for the band um we were touring a lot like we, we started touring really really fast right off the bat when that record or first single even dropped we were touring before the record dropped and we did some really big tours like in our early in our career that probably shouldn't have been on in retrospect like like we just weren't at least in my opinion maybe maybe i shouldn't say we i wasn't good i was not satisfied or happy with uh my ability live the first year or two uh, touring our drummer was great everyone else was great i just uh i'm sure everyone has their own critiques for themselves obviously we, like, we yeah had, we all your own worst critic type yeah but i just I don't think I was prepared as a singer to be on the caliber of tours we were doing. Like our first tour ever was the Sumerian 10 year anniversary tour. And we were, oh, playing, wow. we were playing to like 1500 people a night sometimes. 
it was crazy so which is awesome and way great exposure for the band obviously yeah i mean it, everything obviously worked out so far like for the best it was just you know looking back if i was whoever would have made the decision <laughs> to like put this band on this tour i would have been like no way they're not ready but they did and that's i'm grateful for that it, it mm -hmm. worked out we got we still got fans on it people still liked us even though i think we were ass <laughs> i'm sure you weren't bad dude <laughs> uh well then talk to me about putting out the next record that took uh, it was a few years later then and but it also does really well yeah finding god before god finds me that was a fun one that was also like the most difficult one to make because you know the the pressure was there of having a semi-successful first record and now like mm -hmm. people are gotta follow it up who we are and yeah so at the time me and jolly were living in santa clarita and we had set up a studio in our garage and we pretty much just worked on that record whenever we were off tour and at home and engineered that one ourselves and produced that one ourselves um except for drums we did go to our buddy alex prieto for drum engineering because he has a really cool drum room in north hollywood and uh yeah that one that one was cool it was it felt like an appropriate second record without deviating too far from our sound and our roots to mm -hmm. like get people a little more warmed up to the idea of us being a more experimental band, I guess, and not just restricting ourselves to like the metalcore genre. Mm -hmm. And with, with like, I mean, finishing up that record and it, you put it out towards the middle to end of 2019, were you able to do like, like support it enough to where when the pandemic hit, you get like where were you guys at when that all kind of happened I can't, I can't remember like the exact timeline but i think we around the time that record came out we did a tour with bullet for my valentine and we came as romans wow and then we did one with all the remains and then we went to europe with caliban and lionheart and then 2020 rolls around we put out the deluxe reissue of the record to promote our first headliner Mm -hmm. and that went great honestly in my opinion for for where we were at the time um it, it was a really really good tour that that got cut in half because of the pandemic so we only got halfway through but okay so where were you guys when it were when it hit we were you were on in, the road we were in cleveland ohio and we honestly had no like le like warning leading up to it like no one was saying hey this tour might get canceled soon because of this pandemic like no one was talking or hearing about it Huh. And I just get a call from our manager in Cleveland while we're like sound checking. And he's like, Hey, you guys might have to come home today. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, there's this pandemic, right? <laughs> and we're just like, like, there's this beer, it's called Corona and it's causing all these people to get sick. <laughs> yeah, it's all just so out of the loop. Cause it's not like this huge sensation yet. Um, right. Right. And yeah, we, man, we were allowed to play that last show. Cause they thought about just cutting that show even, um, so we played the last one in Cleveland and we all just got hammered and had fun and like jumped on the stage for each other's sets. Cause that was like a really fun, like homie tour. Like we all became really good friends all the mm -hmm. days. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a bummer cause there was like shows on the back end of that tour that were sold out in advance. Like chain reaction was sold out in advance. Oh, wow. Cisco and stuff. So it's kind of a bummer. We didn't get to, like hit those, but um, we're definitely in the process of making up for it. Yeah, definitely. Wow. I mean, to I was because I was going to ask if you saw any like uh, like 
like people like ticket sales say you sold 500 tickets at a venue and 250 showed up like i've talked to artists where they're kind of seeing some little bit of that backlash but it sounds like you guys had any like wasn't obviously affecting you enough to where when you get a phone call and you're like oh hey what that you're like what yeah yeah like maybe like march you know 11th they you played somewhere and like they're it's kind of getting weird, but it doesn't sound like you guys had that experience. No, it was it was so strange how it really, I think I had heard about it in like November, like mm-hmm. several months before the pandemic started. And that was it. And like, it was kind of just off my radar. Maybe it's because we were all just having so much fun on that tour and we were just not thinking about it or right. not like constantly checking Twitter or something. But I don't know. It was weird. It felt like it was out of nowhere. And then we played Cleveland and then we drove home. Wow. I mean, it's... It, I, it, living in america you know it's where i feel like we're pretty ignorant to stuff like that it's like oh yeah. it will never happen here right it's like oh, that's just somebody else you know well, it that's also how- sounds like just like a media scare like there's like like right thing and like the bird flu where you think it's going to be a big thing and it, it's really not like the the whole world doesn't shut down so yeah it's like these little scares like oh yeah this is just another thing we were frustrated because we're like we're going to drive home and this is going to be over in like a week and then we could have just been on the tour and then we were wrong about that. <laughs> Two years <laughs> later. <Sure. Yeah. laughs> that curve still ain't flat. Um, nope. <laughs> um, well, okay. So you guys get home, obviously, and then it's waiting around. When do you start working on uh, the death of peace of mind? Pretty much immediately. Honestly. Really? Um, yeah. We, I got home and I was, you know, bored and still trying to like stay connected with my friends and everything. So I decided to do this like challenge, you know, when people were doing challenges all the time mm-hmm. uh, that no one participated in, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I was basically wanted to like produce a song without using any instruments. Huh. So I have this like Zune field recorder that I like to use to like capture samples and stuff. And oh, yeah, yeah I have one of those, the little, the mic's like split like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crossed. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just started recording stuff around my house, like making percussive sounds. And then I was like trying to figure out how to make like melodic sounds. So I recorded the vacuum cleaner and managed to turn that into a bass. Um, oh, wow. There's like this weird decoration in my house at the time that you could like pluck and it would make like a bell sound. So I would like recorded that and tuned that to a C and made like a keyboard out of it and just did a bunch of shit like that. Um and I made what pretty much became the death of peace of mind, the first single in the title track. Um, I made like an instrumental with all these sounds and I started singing. Wow. Yeah. So I wrote all the hooks over that instrumental and, you know, obviously then we refined it and made it like a really, you know, a real song. Um, but it was just cool. Like that to me is kind of what flipped the switch in my brain about like the creative process and how like you should really just like go with the flow with those types of things because they manifest and like evolve in really interesting ways. And that became what I think is like one of the coolest songs on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no one else, no one else did the, the no, the no instrument song challenge. Cause I have a bunch of like producer friends and I was like, you should do this thing. And no one did it. But yeah. then you got like a great song out of it. And obviously yeah, I'm like, maybe record. They now they're like, damn, he's, he's kind of crazy, but he's onto something. He sure <laughs> made a pretty cool song out of this idea. Um, but no, it's just, I think your like creative process kind of, it, it opens like new windows and like new points of view when you approach things, not as traditionally as you're used to, which is like 
most for most people that's opening your DAW and like plugging in your guitar and writing a riff or writing a drum part to the riff and going from there. Whereas now I like to make the weirdest sound possible or like the weirdest loop and then write like a vocal hook and then just kind of work around that like Mm -hmm. vibe that that i have captured with that loop is that something that continued with the course of that record where like once you got that song were you like oh this is cool like i'm gonna continue doing this throughout the pandemic yeah pretty much um i just started approaching things a way different way and this record is very like for me, I wanted to make it revolve around the vocals and the production because this was around the time we had just done the two like songs on the deluxe reissue for Finding God, Never mm-hmm. Know Limits. And when we did those songs with Eric Ron, that was when I like discovered my voice in a sense. Like Eric really helped push me to stop doing some of the bad habits I was doing in the studio and just sing a little more naturally and like like myself and after that it felt like i just like unlocked a new power or something yeah Yeah. and and so i started experimenting a lot with my voice and we did the unplugged dp and that's where i was like oh i think i actually do have a nice voice (laughs) yeah that's a great record and i love when heavier bands do that when it's like not only can we be super heavy and but we can just make this amazingly awesome you know acoustic version of a song or yeah so from there, I just I I really enjoyed starting songs with more like production based like foundations and samples and stuff, and just trying to make stuff as weird as possible. And that's why so many of the songs kind of feel like they revolve around the hook or the production, or there's a hook in the production because some of the songs on the record started as just beats. Like me and my roommate made a beat for one song, and I sang a bunch of cool hooks on it. And at the time, it sounded like a a bad post Malone song. <laughs> and then, you know, we took the vocals and refined the, the melodies a little bit. And then Jolly started messing with the production with like just the vocal tracks, almost like a remix, you know, and made it more like us. And it was mm-hmm. cool writing songs that way because I feel like you can capture a different vibe and then just like replace the instruments. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that way about country music a lot. Like a lot of people that like metal music hate country music. And I'm like, you guys don't realize that these are great songs and hooks and it's just the lyrics are like the accent that's throwing you off. You know what I mean? Right. Or I mean, and there are, I'm recently moved to Nashville and I never thought I would ever live here, nor would I like country music. Uh, but there's two different lives, man. They, they, there's the, the really bad, you know, just generic, you know, trucks and this and that. And the other thing, just like corky, like yeah. really elementary lyrics. And then like there's songwriters that are writing like these deep songs. And like you said, it might be a twang or what, but like if you broke it down, yeah. the, the country music has some really great songwriters. Yeah, there, there are for sure. I, I, I love country too. I, I love all genres. And I, that's kind of like how I try to look at things. It's like, okay, how would this sound if the vocal melody and the chords were just on a piano? And it's mm-hmm. like pretty good, pretty sick. Like this is a good song. That's all a song is. It's just like notes, you know, it's just like melodies and chords and stuff. So I try to focus on my first and most like visceral reaction to a melody or to a to a beat or anything like that versus mm-hmm. the genre or like does this sound like us? that's that's shit you can figure out later you know like you can add real drums later or like distorted guitars and all that later right it's like when people say you know you have a good song if you can play it on a acoustic guitar play it on a piano 
And that's and that's what I think is so cool about your your songs and the the way you guys write songs is that you can obviously if you can strip it back into an unplugged version of it and it still sounds awesome and makes double sense then it's uh, obviously (laughs) a great song very excited to get into that type of stuff with this record once we have more time like we're touring a lot right now but yeah one time i really want to get into you know reimagined unplugged whatever you want to call it versions of some of these songs and experiment with them in more ways because i think there's all kinds of different avenues we could take with them Mm -hmm. yeah no for sure for sure. And so was this record done like via, you know, emailing these back and forth to each other or were you able to kind of get into a room once you had the um, stems of how the songs are going to go? No, because me, me and Jolly live together. Oh, that works. We produce the records. Uh, so it was really just a matter of me like exporting the vocal stems onto a flash drive and just going upstairs to his room. <laughs> I mean, like, here and, you like, go. It's like, here, make something under this. I'm tired of working. Like, because I, I like to work with like vocal production and like the post production, like the electronics, like the mm-hmm. and like guitar stuff kind of just like bores me now. Like, I, there's, there's like, I, I'm into it still. Like, sometimes, like, like Polyphia, I, I think is sick. Like, they excite me. But for the most part, when it comes to at least Bad Omens, at least with this record, The Death of Peace of Mind, the guitar and the bass and the drum are kind of there to like reinforce like the energy and the power and the chords and like the rhythm section of the songs. And I think that contrast honestly even makes it heavier because they're so absent in certain areas. And then when they all kick in, it's like really smacks you in the face, even in songs that aren't so heavy. Mm-hmm. So I think like, you know, that contrast between having a verse, it's just like 808s and vocals and then like crash cymbal and rhythm guitar comes in really helps like, you know, give the song interesting dynamics and push it. No, I yeah, I completely agree, and I think the record is is really cool, and it's definitely like it's evolved. Like I feel like the sound has evolved a, a bit, but it sounds like a like a you know, like your guys's record. Like it doesn't sound different, but it does. If that makes sense, right, yeah. I don't know how to explain it <laughs> other than sounding like an idiot when I'm trying to do. Uh, but um, no, dude, I think the record's awesome, and you guys are doing a, a big. You're doing a tour of Europe again coming up, right? Yeah, we just announced a headline tour, uh, UK and Europe. Well, that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. L- London actually like sold out already, and we're doing two nights now in London. And wow! Uh, and you uh, just did a US tour too, right? Yeah, we did a tour. We did a tour at the start of the year with Under Oath, and mm-hmm. then we did a tour with this band in this moment uh, last month. And now next month we're starting a tour with the Day to Remember. Oh wow, that's huge! Super busy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, I appreciate uh, you taking time to to hang out with me today. No, I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. And my son's name is Sebastian. So when I saw that was your last name, I was like, that's awesome. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Spelled <laughs> the same way. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, I have one more quick question before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, yeah, I would say like as hard as it is to compare yourself to other people i would try your like your best to deviate that once deviate from that once you feel like you have you know a general knowledge and experience of music because obviously like that's how you start right like you start with a vacuum and like emulating other artists or learning their riffs and learning song structure and just having a general understanding of like how most music works but once you're past that like 
try to like just be yourself as much as you can, I would say, and just like find your own voice or find your own style of riff or your own style of drumming, because that's like what's going to lead the next wave of music evolution, you know, not sounding like this band or that band, but sounding like something no one's ever heard before. 